This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters Talks, on at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Reverend Micah Busey, who is a graduate of Fordham University and Uni- Union Theological Seminary and a United Church of Christ ordained minister, currently serves Judson Memorial Church of New York City. Uh, and uh, very happy that you took the time to come on and to speak with us today, Micah. Thanks so much for having me. Phil. Micah, um, we met at a conference, and I found you terribly interesting, and uh, your ministry to be very interesting. Can you fill the uh, listeners in on um, your own spiritual journey and how how you came uh, to uh, make the decision to become a minister and what went into that and and your... uh, orientation toward ministry. Absolutely. So, I mean, Christianity has been part of my context since I was very tiny. I grew up the son of a preacher man in northeastern Ohio, Um, so I've been going to church since I was in the womb. Um, My father was a United Methodist minister when I was growing up, and um, from the start, I had a dramatic flair. Um, so I loved art, I loved theater, I loved music, um, and I also loved church. I, I loved uh, going to church, I loved making little plays for church. Um, and so I kind of grew up always thinking that no matter where I ended up, that I would do something creative and artistic and do something pastoral uh, and perhaps be a minister. And so when I left home at 18, and actually that was 20 years ago this past week, um, Mm. on August August Mm -hmm. 19th, parents dropped me off at Fordham University, and my double major was in theology and theater. And I really planned on, you know, once I got through those four years, I would immediately go into seminary. Um, but you know, something happened on, on the way to that, uh, that part of the journey. And that was that I came out, um, as a gay man about halfway through my time at Fordham. And unfortunately though, those sort of, uh, you know, homosexuality and queerness had never been painted as something questionable or, or undesirable in my family. At the time that I came out um, and I was kind of being embraced by the queer community of New York, I really wasn't able to to couple it with with this Christianity that I had known. And really, I was kind of um, looking at more fundamentalist Christianity, um, a lot of homophobic Christianity, um, and basically decided to abandon my my pastoral path and go whole hog into the, the theater world. Um, so I kind of, you know, at, at age 20, I decided that not only was being a minister not for me, but being part of the Christian church was not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, that somewhat changed a few years later because when I, I call it my second coming out, um, because when I, when I came out as a gay man to my family, Basically, they were like, okay, thanks. Yeah, thanks for catching up. We've, we've known this for a while. Um, we're so glad that you're embracing it yourself now. Um, so that was, that was not as hard as, you know, some, some folks have had when they come out uh, queer. But I call it my second coming out because when I started to feel a pull back to the Christian church um, a few years after college was over, 
Um, and I started to tell my my friends that I was feeling this pull. That was when I got the uh, the talk about sort. Of, are you sure this isn't a phase? I feel really <laughs> frightened for you about this choice. Um, and, uh, and so basically, I, it, it, I, I eventually came to this point where my queerness and my, my identity as an artist and this pull back toward possibly being a minister in the church, I started to see them kind of start to intertwine. Um, and thank God I found a place like Judson Memorial Church where I walked in the room and I said, okay, what I'm looking for is a church that loves artists and a church that loves queer people and a church that is justice seeking. And they were like, check, check, check. We do all of those things. And uh, I talked myself into a job um, through while I was still in seminary. And uh, I'm still there. They haven't booted me out yet. And they yeah. I'm curious. Uh, uh, it sounds like your father, who's a preacher in the Midwest, uh, was not Catholic, but you uh, went to a Catholic university, Fordham University. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm wondering if, uh, and, I, and I know Catholic universities, uh, some are more Catholic uh, in terms of their, you know, uh, really preaching as Catholics to Catholics than other universities that are uh, more liberal arts. Uh, there's Catholicism, but it's somewhat on the periphery. Uh, when you went, to, was that an adjustment going to Fordham? Was there pressure to be Catholic? And also as an openly gay man, which you were after your uh, uh, second year of college, I think you said, what was, was Fordham University receptive? Because Catholicism, as I understand it, is, is uh, in, in, has institutionalized homophobia. They don't accept gay people fully. I don't care what mm -hmm. the Pope says or what anyone else says about how compassionate they are. They don't. And I wonder what that experience was like for you. And uh, did you go with United uh, with the United Church of Christ because that's where what you grew up in, or is, was there some reason you chose them? So a couple of questions there. No, yeah, great. I so uh, Fordham is not only a Catholic university, but it's a Jesuit university. Right. Um, so I was really, really lucky to have several mentors there, um, both Jesuit priests and also um, secular professors, uh, who embraced my identity and and you know acted as mentors uh, in beautiful, beautiful ways. Um, mm -hmm. The intellectual rigor and the curiosity that I found in the Jesuit tradition. Um, really was less about kind of pointing me in directions and more about asking me questions so that I could articulate my journey and my this this kind of budding identity in in ways that I I hadn't discovered yet. Um, you know, I, I actually graduated not totally knowing how many of my priest professors felt about my own sexuality, but I did know that I was never deterred from exploring it. Mm -hmm. um, and and more, you know, it, they would find creative ways to ask me questions, to get me to put it into my art. Um, you know, I graduated as a, a performance and playwriting major, so I was, you know, I was writing writing plays and writing performance pieces for myself that were definitely um, really overtly exploring sexuality, um, and I was never deterred from that at all. Um, my, my dad was actually a United Methodist minister, um, but when I came out, he, he made his way over to the United Church of Christ because, I mean, you both probably know, but the United Methodist Church hasn't really decided how they feel about welcoming 
uh, queer people or celebrating them in, in a way that's satisfying to me or to my father. Um, so he kind of did it in solidarity and has found a home in the United Church of Christ in a really great way. That's fascinating. Um, Boy, you really were lucky knowing many uh, men who came out as gay, some, some, you know, 20, 30 years before you did. Um, I know how difficult it has been for many of them. You really were lucky to have that kind of support. And, um, and finding uh, Judson Memorial, which is a kind of legendary uh, church right in the heart of Greenwich Village, um, even more lucky that you were able to to have that uh, set of good karma. As I recall, Judson Memorial kind of became very uh, prominent during the AIDS crisis of, of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could you tell us a little bit about the history of Judson Memorial and why it has such a an important place in sort of progressive Christianity, uh, especially in New York? Absolutely. And you'll probably have to interrupt and stop me because I start <laughs> poetic about times that I didn't even actually experience. So I, uh, right. I, I'll try to be, be brief and, and, you know, touch on the highlights. But, you know, it's, it's a congregation that's been around since the 1890s, um, was interested in justice seeking and creativity and, you know, exploring faith in an expansive way, really from the start. Um, you know, in you, you, there, there's mythology that builds around a place like Judson as well. So, you know, you can probably get different versions of stories from different people that you ask. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the most beautiful things that I've heard about the building of Judson, you know, it's, it's a building that was designed by Stanford White. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was intentionally designed to have, a, you know, a, a Romanesque look. Um, because it was built at the bottom of Washington Square, which was essentially the threshold between the affluent part of Fifth Avenue, which was above the park, and ah. the immigrant <laughs> part of oh, Fifth wow. Avenue, which was below the park. And Judson was right there. And Edward Judson, who built the church in honor of his father, Adoniram, um, intentionally wanted it to be a church that that sat right at that at that threshold. Huh. Um, and they they wanted to do specific outreach to the immigrant population of Greenwich Village at the time, which was primarily Italian. Yeah. So they were building to look like something that they would want to go to. Um, and then another another part of the architecture and and the the justice and art part of Judson's history that I think is really beautiful is that on the corner, so right uh, right on Thompson Street and uh, West Fourth Street at the south end of the park, is is a fountain that no longer literally runs, although it certainly runs kind of still in our hearts. Um, but it it was a fountain where it was really the only place where clean water flowed for the immigrant population to line up and get water that they, water that wow. they knew fresh. Um, so it was, do, Judson was doing that ministry really from, from the moment that it opened. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of history and a lot of amazing personalities that I'm, that I'm going to gloss over, but basically, you know, a, a, a big part of the history that feeds into why I'm at Judson started in the 50s when a man named Howard Moody came, a Baptist minister, um, and essentially was a straight, um, kind of dyed-in-the-wool Baptist minister from the South um, who really had a love of the tradition, 
but also had this, this need to expand the tradition and this desire to open it up. So he built a, a congregation and expanded the church into um, this hub where they were, they were really on the cutting edge of, of many, many progressive movements, um, including um, you know, movements for choice. Um, when abortion was illegal, Judson and Howard Moody were a part of the clergy consultative uh, ministry, which basically um, was a, kind of an underground railroad that would find safe abortions for young women coming from all over the country. Um, and, and the young women would contact them and not, not be talked out of it, but instead be shepherded through the process. So they felt like they were being accompanied. Um, and, and then um, in the 80s, there was a, a sex worker um, ministry called the Prostitution Project, um, where, again, instead of the ministry um, trying to talk sex workers out of sex work, it was instead accompanying the, the sex workers, meeting them where they were, and essentially creating safe space for them to share tools, share resources, share information. Um, and it was quite literally a van that drove around at night um, where the sex workers could come into the van. It was set up um, so that they could have food, um, check in on dangers on the street, um, share health resources. Um, and uh, along with that, as Howard was doing that with the congregation, um, there was another minister, an associate minister that he had brought in named Al Carmines, um, who was uh, the man who essentially, you know, started the Judson Poets Theater at, at, at Judson, which was one of the original homes of what we now know as off-off-Broadway theater. Mm. Um, and so the combination of the work that Al was doing creatively and with artists and the com with um, the work that Howard was doing justice-wise, it sort of created uh, this ethic at Judson and sustained um, what had been built from the 1890s into the, the early 2000s, which is when I kind of walked in the door in 2009 and, and, and you know, said, this is what I need from a church. And they said, well, great, we've been doing it for 100 years. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it, it really did. It, Judson has raised me as a minister. You know, wow. I, I came in there still quite quite wounded in a way that I didn't know how to articulate because my parents and my family had never said, hey, you can't be both queer and Christian, but something in my heart said it. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. let, let, me, uh, let me ask you, if I can interrupt, uh, Micah, yeah. you, your, uh, uh, your, your church, uh, Judson Memorial, is about a 10-minute walk to Stone, the Stonewall Inn, which in 1969 mm -hmm. uh, really marked for a lot of people the, the beginnings uh, of uh, gay liberation, you know, liberation for gay people fighting back, pushing back. At that time, in 19, I think, I think it was uh, June 1969, was uh, the Judson Memorial Church embracing the, the gay community? Or was the gay community so undercover at that time that, that they were not? When, when did the church actually uh, uh, champion gay rights? Uh, 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 was, was it before, or after, or during that time? It was before. Mm -hmm. um, Judson, Judson has been championing um, LGBTQ rights for, for as long as, as uh, they, they've sort of been part of right. you know, the, the, the collective consciousness. Um, right. I mean, the, the, basically, it, uh, um, 
you know, I, I think they've gone in and out of what types of ministries they've done with the community. Um, but, but as far as I know, you know, you know Al, Al was a queer man um, and Howard from the start was embracing of queer people. And so, so I think that it, it has been a, a safe haven for, for queer people you know, ever since Howard came on, mm-hmm. which was the 50s, you know, wow. uh, 15 years before Stonewall. Right. If, I, if I could have dirty. a follow-up question. Yeah, go ahead. Phil, and that is, uh, okay, uh, we, we live in a particular time in the United States. I'm actually in, in Europe, right, in Sweden right now, but I spend most of the year in the States. And, and uh, politically, the, the country has moved to the right. And one can imagine that it'll go further to the right. How does uh, a how does the Christian community uh, respond to that? How, how does one, as a Christian, uh, um, uh, battle for human rights? In this case, maybe uh, gay rights are particularly maybe under threat. How how do, how do you uh, put religion together with uh, uh, other uh, civil techniques and, and, and methodologies for uh, pushing back on a, uh, a government that may be repressive? Woo, easy question. Thanks. <laughs> All right. In 25 <laughs> words or less. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's, I yeah, I think it's timely. Yeah. St- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll probably stumble through this a bit, but because um, I could go in so many different directions. Mm. Um, you know, I think Judson has been curious about its own Christianity since its inception, you know, and, and I, I'm talking about a congregation. So, of course, you know, we we have, you know, within the congregation, a variety of approaches and a variety of relationships to, to Christianity. But um, but basically, I'll, I think I'll, I'll answer by telling a story about what happened right after the, the November 2016 election. Um, which was basically the moment when I sort of realized what my role might be as a queer Christian minister in this time. And that's that, you know, from 2009 to 2016, I was having a really good time. I was basically, you know, I was exploring my own faith and getting to do that in worship and on Sunday mornings with the Judson congregation. But I was also, you know, Kind of a liaison to a lot of the justice groups and the organizations that use the Judson space, you know, during the week. And then I was also spearheading our arts programs, which happen every Wednesday night and tend to be more of a secular audience, even though I make no secret that as a minister, I think of it as a spiritual act. Uh, many of the participants, you know, are coming in from very secular, secular uh, backgrounds. Um, but what happened was, so we, we were watching the, the election results roll in, um, and, and that was a Tuesday. And the next day, we were going to have an arts program, and it was hosted by, by a young woman who hosts a monthly show as part of the program. And she started to text me. She said, oh, my gosh, should we cancel, should we cancel the show tomorrow night? Because it did, it felt that much like the bottom was just dropping out of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I, I even went through a moment where I was sort of like, well, maybe we should cancel it. Maybe we should just have the sanctuary open and, you know, light candles and be in the dark and just be silent. Um, and finally, I wrote her back and I said, we absolutely are not going to cancel the show. 
Um, I think we need to go on as planned. Mm -hmm. And it's a comedy show anyway. Maybe people need to laugh. Maybe we need that catharsis. So she wrote, and this is a very, I mean, this is a woman that I love and who is an, an amazing artist. And she would never darken the door of a church on Sunday morning. Um, and she's made that clear. But she basically said, okay, well, if we're going to have the show, then will you pray us in? Oh, and, wow. and at that moment, wow. suddenly I realized how much I had been discounting my own, my own identity as a, as a spiritual leader. Um, because, because in that moment when suddenly everything felt like it was, ch it was changing and everything felt like it was, you know, going into the, the shadows and that some, this, this shadow was, was covering us all. Um, the first thing she could think of was, well, maybe there can be a ritual and the, and the minister can pray. Mm. And. And so the next day, I mean, typically on those Wednesday nights, we get like maybe 50 to 60 people. We had about 250 people um, had to move the show down onto the main floor of the sanctuary. Um, so had 250 people sitting there and I, I came out and I prayed us in. And afterward, I had so many of the artists and the organizers who come to Judson again for, for these secular events mostly, so many of them were coming up and, and kind of saying quietly, hey, what time is service on Sunday? Um, you know, what's service like? Will, you know, are you going to try to convert me? What, 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 what do you actually do there? And I realized that whether or not Christianity actually has it, um, these folks who are very, very smart organizers, very, very smart activists, very, very um, talented creatives, they, they thought that church has something a tool, a resource that could help them in that moment. Um, and that's what I think, that's what I think we have to give. I think that we will do it clumsily because of the history of violence and, and uh, hate that, that, that Christianity has been a part of. But progressive Christians in this country, I think uh, right now we have, we have a great opportunity because people are clamoring for there to be a spiritual undergirding to what they're doing in the world. Mm -hmm. And they want to be curious about it again. They want to be connected to something larger than themselves again. Um, and they, they want to be told that there's the potential for, for prophetic witness in the world. And I think the progressive church is primed because we have, we have the language, we have the idea of community and we, we have the idea of this, God force or whatever you want to call it built into our tradition. Um, and I've had amazing conversations with people ever since the election because people are, are wanting to explore spirituality in ways that I, I had not seen before. Mm -hmm. I want to follow up on that, uh, but take it to a sort of individual parishioner level. Um, given the location in, in Greenwich Village, given the that you probably have a that the the congregation on any given at any given time is uh, the percentage of LGBT people is far larger than in in most uh, spiritual or religious communities. Um, on an individual basis, is how is uh, you, the pastoral role of a minister different? Because when when uh, treating or not treating but uh, ministering 
to a, a, a gay uh, congregation than it might be if you were somewhere else? Is there anything special that is required of you or that you have to bring to the table be, because of, of the nature of the congregation? That's a good question. And I think, you know, I, I'm lucky or consider myself lucky that I am a queer person because I, I already kind of have the first step taken care of. Yeah. Uh, I, because I'm already, I, I, I hope that I'm somewhat trusted by a queer person, um, you know, who's, who's entering the, the church somewhat timidly or, or feels the wounds of being, you know, punished by the church in the past. Um, I, you know, what I like to do and, and what we've kind of embraced, I think, as a congregation at Judson is not just thinking about ourselves as queer people, um, but thinking about Christianity inherently as a queer thing, thinking hmm. about Jesus as a queer role model. Um, I can't think of a, uh, a, a queerer thing than to live with a spiritual tradition in the world, basically to, to, to live as a Christian in the world, I, it, it is inviting me and somewhat forcing me into thinking in ways that are countercultural, counter, -cultural, counter um, to, to the way that a capitalistic, um, you know, individualistic society tells me I should be thinking. And, and that to me is an inherently queer thing. Hmm. Um, and so, and, and and likewise, I think that uh, Jesus, as the as the the activist and and spiritual leader who you know is said to have have started this tradition, um, you know, is uh, I think of I think of him as as a queer person. Um, he was living outside the norms of society. He was living communally. He was teaching folks to to live in a way uh, that would get them lambasted uh, by by their families and by um, by by society as a whole and so I think we actually have lots of queer um, queer clues dropped all throughout the history of Christianity that we can look at uh, can, that, can, can, that can guide us can I follow up on that because your use of the word queer in this right. context to listeners um, well to me too uh, I mean Queer used to be a pejorative for, for gay people, and now you're using it quite uh, in the in a different way, and even applying it to Jesus. So, can you explain the use of the term in this context? And and uh, like you wouldn't have said you see Jesus as a gay person, but mm -hmm. you you do say you see him as a queer person. How how do you distinguish those words? Give us a little mm -hmm. uh, a vocabulary lesson. Sure, thank you. So I I think of queer as being uh, somewhat of an umbrella term for the initialism LGBTQ. So basically, um, you know, describing a way of being that is outside the norm, that's outside yeah. the traditional box. Um, you know, there there's some debate about the letter Q in that initialism because. For for some, it has meant the word queer. For some, it's, it has meant the word questioning. Um, oh. Uh -huh. So the first sermon that I ever delivered at, at Judson, which was uh, Pride Sunday, which is the last Sunday in June um, in 2011, 
um, was called the, the Q in question. Hmm. Um, basically, um, what I was making a, a bid for, because because when I first started at Judson, I got a lot of questions about why I used the word queer instead of gay, um, because a lot of the the more the, the longer term members at Judson who had grown up in that environment and, and found it to be very friendly to gay and lesbian people, you know, they, they grew up in, in a time like what you said, you know, where, where queer was a word that was used against them. Mm-hmm, uh, right. And, right. and so I was getting a lot of questions as to what I meant by it and, and why I would use it positively. And so in this sermon, I kind of made, made a, a pitch for thinking of it as, as being somebody who asks questions constantly, somebody who is able to wake up in the morning and, and queer their idea of the world, question what they believed the day before, um, and enter life curiously, um, which I think that has a basis in the gay and lesbian struggle, as you were saying, you know, that, that uh, you know, reached this, this climax at Stonewall, um, mm-hmm. the way that gay and lesbian and trans people have have had to live in a world that was that was denying them, you know, their 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 existence and identity was to was to to find uh, new ways of being, find new ways of being in community, and new ways of approaching their life. And so I was saying, what if what if we reclaimed this word queer, which is not a revolutionary idea. I mean, it's a, it's something other people are doing too, um, but it. What if what if we claimed it for ourselves? And so even if you were a straight person, even if it was not a school thing, if you could sign on to living curiously and questioningly in the world, um, what if you could own the, the term queer? Um, and for the and it took a few a few more sermons after that, but uh, slowly kind of been em- embraced there um, and and. Thankfully, I, I'm in a congregation where me saying that I think of Jesus as a queer person um, is not uh, is not an immediate <laughs> right. no go. I wouldn't put it in an editorial yeah. in a uh, certain news in the yeah. hometown Ohio yeah. newspaper. It, but, it, uh, <laughs> Mike, extremely informative. Thank you for that answer. We're gonna have to wrap it up soon, but I, I, a couple of things, and then Phil, if you want a, a yeah. final question. Um, uh, I'm going to be in New York probably in October or whatever. I'd love to attend the service. How do people find out more about the church? Who's invited to come? Uh, When is it? Where is it? uh, uh, Inform. So we have Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 11 a.m. We're at 55 Washington Square South. Um, we have a website, which is Judson.org, J-U-D-S-O-N.org. Um, and I run something called Judson Arts Wednesdays, which is most every Wednesday night. Uh, there's some kind of food served at 7.15 and then some kind of uh, art show where artists are, are showcasing new work at 8 p.m. Um, and it is always free. Uh, it's a big mashup of folks who are coming for the free food and folks who are coming for the art and they kind of meet in the middle and mm-hmm. we see what happens. Um, and so th- those are probably the best the best first uh, forays, but we'd love to have you. We'll have it all posted up. Uh, Phil, any final questions? I, yeah, I, I just want to say that uh, having a service at 11 uh, maybe too early for Greenwichville. 
true. I've gone, when I've gone outside of New York City, I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot that people worship earlier. In the- yeah, at 8 o'clock or so. Uh, but in the, in the uh, a couple of minutes that we have remaining, uh, one thing we didn't get into uh, yet in, in depth is your uh, uh, use of the arts especially music uh-huh. as a kind of uh, a spiritual practice in a sense and and uh, uh, can you speak to that uh, you know for in, a, in in our few minutes how how do you see that how does it work sure and you know my ever since i started at judson um you know i've i've said a lot of the things that i'm about to say and they're very informed by a spirit and and ethic that was already very alive there um informed by al carmines and and many of the artists who came through there but basically i consider my role as a pastor to constantly be nurturing the creative potential in everyone um i i think that all of us have artistic potential um, I think that uh, that me creating space um, where we can come together, be silly, and consider that silliness sacred, and to ritualize that sacred silliness um, is is uh, an imperative for me as a pastor. Um, and then, you know, to take it one step further, those who actually you know choose to embody uh, the life of an artist, um, I think that at every turn, they have the potential power to be prophetic voices in the world. Um, I think that art and artists show us where we've been, they show us who we are, and they show us what we can become. And that's what I think that the prophets in our tradition were doing as well. Um, Not only were they speaking out for social justice, but they were doing it as performance artists. They were creating spectacle, they were creating poetry. And so I think that the spectacle creators, the poets, the musicians um, who who we have now, they have the power to shape our imaginations in ways that you can't always do in, you know, a traditional sermon or in a speech, although those are are also creative acts as well. Um, I, I think that for me, I always need a little bit of satire, a little bit of silliness, a little bit of parody to go along with my Christianity and my role as a pastor, so I don't take myself too seriously. Mm, great. Well put. Well, thank you so very much for your time. We'll have everything uh, posted up, and there's a lot more we, we'd love to get into, so we, we would uh, in, invite you to come back uh, sometime in the near future, so I hope you can it. do that. And when we sign off uh, this evening, it is this evening that we're recording this, uh, Stay on. Oh, no, it's evening for me. It's daytime for you. Uh, I should say to our listeners, uh, 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 Mike is in New York City, Phil's in Los Angeles, and I'm in Gothenburg, Sweden. But by the miracle of modern science and technology, uh, we can make this podcast happen. Uh, there, there you go. So uh, I got the word miracle in. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Micah. Thank you so much, and please visit in October. Absolutely. We, well, next time I'm in New York, we'll we'll come over and uh, see what you're up to. Wonderful. Thank. Wonderful. Thank you. Great.